Merry Christmas. When I was a boy, I didn't get to say Merry Christmas. It was considered to be a little inappropriate in the house that I grew up in. I came from a very conservative Methodist history and Merry was a word associated with drinking alcohol and being a little bit tipsy. And so we had to say Happy Christmas. So it was. But when I was little, I also used to hear people say Merry Christmas and I thought they were saying Merry Christmas. And I thought that was appropriate because Mary was a big part of the Christmas story. And so I struggled for a lot of years about Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas and Happy Christmas. And, and right through my life, when I'd meet people, I'd go to say Merry Christmas and then I'd find myself being, correcting myself to say Happy Christmas. My heart was the same, but the words coming out of my mouth were a little different because I was tripping over this sense of saying something inappropriate that may not communicate clearly what it is that was in my heart that I was hoping it was a reflection of what was in God's heart. And when we hear the Christmas story, I, uh, I often think about that because um, I want to make sure that if I'm sharing something of it with people who don't really know it, that I communicate clearly what God's intent was at that time. And the question comes to mind is how do we simply and clearly say to someone that this is a life-changing, earth-shattering, never the world will be the same again event when we say Merry Christmas? Because we seem to zero it down to a day when in fact Jesus coming on a day changed eternity. And so that's one of the stories or parts of the story that I think we need to not lose when we talk about Christmas and say Merry Christmas. As uh, we listen to the story being read this morning, the, um, the Christ event where Jesus comes into the world, we hear it with ears that have been trained to reflect on it over time. But for the first time when someone hears that story, as the children just showed us, here's a young girl who's been made pregnant by a spirit. That, that's enough to kind of go, oh yeah, I'm not so sure about this story. And then the, the next part of the story we read is where there's these shepherds who are not, the ne who are not necessarily the, the, the nicest people in the, uh, in the community. They're considered to be a little sort of on the edge and they're out on the hill looking after their sheep at night and then some angels appear just to these shepherds. Now if God was the almighty that he is, I would have thought he'd have done something different about announcing to the world than sending some angels to talk to some shepherds on a hill. I come from a marketing background and I can think of a lot of other ways to communicate to the world if I wanted the whole world to know and the whole world is what God had in his heart. And so there's another part of the story that doesn't quite sit with what we would think would be a good way to tell the story. Not only that, but the, the, the shepherds get a bit scared when these angels turn up and they say, peace. And, and the part, that's the other part of the story. Here's these angels coming as a heavenly host, the army of heaven coming into the earth saying, peace, not look out, we're coming to get you because you've been bad. And the shepherds knew they weren't sort of clean, if you like. And so God was announcing to the world through some people who weren't 
the part of society you would think that a good message would come through, through some angels that are the hosts of heaven that would be able to just wipe the earth out in a blink. This story starts to get a little bit weird. But the realisation dawns on these angels, that, on these shepherds rather, that there is something going on here and that, so they decide to go and go to Bethlehem and see what the angels are telling them about. And they discovered, and I love what the word says, everything they were told was true. Everything they were told was true. And so we can take the Christmas story and we can believe it, but what's more important is how we live it. Because belief, after all, is meant to change how we relate, how we live. We can believe that there's a supermarket down the road or a McDonald's or a service station, but unless we actually go there and use it, it's of no value to us. So belief invites interaction. And so the belief of the Christmas story is inviting interaction, that we would interact with the story. Now he could be forgiven in 21st century planet Earth for not having any notion of the actual story because we have Christmas created for us in the media and we have Christmas celebrated in many ways but quite often, and it used to be a lot more prevalent, but this year as I looked around I hardly saw the name Jesus anywhere in the Christmas advertising or celebration. Is that a fair statement? In fact, there was a lot of years where we kind of said Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, occasionally I saw who is the reason for the season. But there's been a, a watering down and a taking away from the truth of what Christmas is about in the communication in 21st century Earth. And so it is not unreasonable that people would beginning to be beginning to push the Christmas story aside from being that important. What's more important is, have you got all the right things for today for lunch? <laughs> have you got enough? Are you going to enjoy the holiday? Don't forget to party. What about the presents? Yes, the food, the ice for the drinks. They're the things that take up our conversation. They're the things that take the attention of the world at this time. And in many nations, because we began as a, as a Western nation, we were called a Christian nation, many Christian nations are losing the essence of the word Christian in who we are and how we live. Now, you know, you could become quite depressed about that. But when I think back and, look, and I think, Lord, what about the wars? What about the things going on in the earth? How, how are we going to keep the name of Jesus alive? And the other morning I was out having a run and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know, should I invite the angel armies to come in and smash ISIS, Lord? And then if they do that, then there'll be another battle over there. And then what about this and what about that? And the Lord said to me, David, I said, yes, Lord. He said, why don't you let me worry about the big stuff? It just blew me away. He said, why don't you let me worry about the big stuff? And then I thought, here is the announcement of Jesus to the earth to three or a few shepherds on a hill 
by some angels. And that began the Christmas event that has changed the earth. So it's not for me or for you to go out and change the world in one smash. But it is an invitation for you and me to be real about our relationship with Jesus and let that change those around us. Let that change sweep on and on and on. So it's let God worry about the big stuff. Let him worry about sending angel armies to deal with things. Unless he tells you to, then go for it. But he alone can deal with that. And so the Lord said to me just a few months ago, and he reiterated it to me the other day when Kirk asked me to share this morning's message. He said to me, David, he said, the focus of your focus needs to be Jesus. The focus of your focus needs to be Jesus. And last night, Kirk used a, a great example of when he was a boy in the backyard, he'd take a magnifying glass and he'd find where the sun was and he'd find an ant and he'd get the magnifying glass and he'd take the power of the sun, all of the focus of all of that power and he'd focus it right onto that ant. Dead ant, dead ant, dead ant, dead ant. Anyway, so the thing was that there was focus there. And that's the kind of thing the Lord's inviting us to, is to focus our focus on Jesus. You know, we can focus on all sorts of things, but let the focus of your focus, what it is that you're looking at, let the focus of your focus be Jesus. Does that, does that sit with you? When we were praying this morning, Neil said, you know, let, it, let the message be simple, Lord. He knows me, you see, he was praying for me. And, um, and it was, I like one-liners, you know, as an old advertising man, I love one-liners. Let the focus of your focus be Jesus this Christmas. Focus is defined as the concentration of attention or energy on something. Okay? The concentration of attention or energy. Well, let it be both your attention and your energy. Let that be focused on Jesus. The special emphasis attached to something is another part of the definition. So where is our concentration aimed? I know life's busy and we're doing things and planning things and all that's good. But the question this Christmas is, where is the focus of your focus? Has the story of Jesus' birth into the earth had a lasting impact on you such that it has changed your life forever? It has mine. My eternity has been changed because Jesus came. And the invitation that the Lord makes to all men, all men and women, is that same invitation. And I, I've got a heart that is um, stirred easily to try to deal with things that aren't, aren't right. And yet the Lord's telling me to keep the focus on Jesus and not try to fix what's wrong. As I do that, what's wrong will be fixed because Jesus will do what he needs to do to bring it right. He will change the lives of others around us. We are invited to care about those people that don't care about Jesus. 
How do you think the shepherds were after the angelic visitation and then the realisation that what they were told was true? They went and they found Jesus as they'd been told. What is the reaction that you have after you discover that? Do you think the shepherds went and said, okay, that was a great day now, tomorrow we'll go back and we'll worry about the sheep again and it'll never bother us anymore? Their lives were changed. They couldn't just be ordinary shepherds after an interaction like that. My guess is they were never the same after they met God with us. The other reading we had this morning, and there's a reason for it, was the story of where Jesus and his disciples, 30-something years after this event, were going along the road from Nazareth to Jerusalem and they came to Bethany, which is not far from uh, Jerusalem. And the story says they stopped in at a place where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Interesting, isn't it? He was born, there was no home open to him. He's walking along the street, along the road, and there's a home open to him. So he goes in. Now he knows Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is the oldest. Best we know, Mary's the baby and Martha's the one in the middle. And so it says Martha opened her house to him. So she was obviously in charge, large and in charge. And so she invites him in and they're sitting having a chat. Or Jesus is. And we read the story that Martha is busy getting things ready for lunch, like Christmas Day, you know. And she's kind of anxious about getting it all done right. And Mary is sitting there listening to Jesus, just listening to Jesus. And Martha's getting a bit antsy. She's saying, Martha, Mary, come and give me a hand. And Mary's like, uh, you know. Mary's a free spirit, you know? She's kind of like, no, I'm, 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 I'm lost here with the words that are coming from Jesus. And so Martha appeals to a higher authority. She says, Jesus, or Master, tell her to help me. And this is the, this is the clincher. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Now, he doesn't say it in anger. He doesn't say it in, in, in any sense of you dope. He's saying, Martha, Martha. It's a real, oh. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is important right now. And Mary has chosen what's better. What Jesus is saying, I'm here to have communion with you. And that's the most important thing available right now. Mary gets it. Martha was missing it. Jesus was known as teacher, Lord, by Martha. She knew Jesus to be special. She knew who he was. But she was focused with her own agenda. And she was missing the opportunity of having some special time with Jesus. The invitation from Jesus this Christmas is to have some merry time with him.
And he said, this is, this is the important thing. There's a whole raft of sermons in this passage. Jesus is the main meal. Jesus, Jesus came as the bread of life. There's so much in this passage that you can teach on for weeks. But today, I believe the Lord is just saying, we gather around the Christmas story for an hour and then we go off to other things. We can easily miss the reason for the season. Our focus is taken from where our focus needs to be to have life in all its fullness because life in all its fullness can only come in Jesus Christ. That's a promise of the word. And so this Christmas, have a ball, enjoy, laugh, spend precious time with those you love. But I invite you this Christmas because I believe Jesus is inviting you to have a very merry Christmas. A very merry Christmas. Spend time with Jesus and let that time spent with Jesus become a merry Christmas throughout the year. Not just one hour today, but right through the year. That's the invitation that I believe is in the Father's heart for us this morning. Let the focus of your focus be Jesus and have a very merry Christmas. God bless you. <laughs>